This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. This episode of Working is sponsored by MailChimp. More than 7 million businesses around the world use MailChimp to send email newsletters. Plus, MailChimp distributes hats for cats and small dogs. You can find out more at MailChimp.com. MailChimp. Send better email. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to Working, a podcast about what people do all day. I'm Adam Davidson with NPR's Planet Money and the New York Times Magazine. Today, the guy you call when you're in trouble, big trouble. Can you tell me your name and what you do for a living? My name is Ira Juddelson and I'm a New York State bail bondsman. So I feel like I don't fully know what a bail bondsman is. Just tell me, how does your day begin? What is a typical work day? A typical work day obviously starts uh, as soon as I pick up my cell phone, which obviously I'm glued to at all times. Uh, I have three offices. Um, I finish my night about 1 o'clock in the morning, and I start my day about 7.30. I wake up, I put my kids on the bus, and I check my phone, and the phone starts going crazy from people that have been arrested or are going to be arrested uh, to problems that might have taken place over the night. What is a typical client? Or I guess you have a, a huge range. But can you walk me through some of your... Well, I've taken out the everyday person from a DWI to a robbery, to attempted robbery, to an alleged uh, sexual assault, to uh, alleged wise guys, to alleged gangbangers to Wall Street people, to celebrities. Wow. So what exactly is your role? Someone's I, a... I am the bank for people that get incarcerated. I am, on the street terms, I'm a legal loan shark. Um, I bail people out. Uh, I put up their bond to get them out of jail. I take collateral to secure their appearance in court. Um, I become, I wear a lot of different hats. I always tell people that. I talk about it in my book called The Fixer. I, you know, I could be a priest, I could be a rabbi, I, I could be a social worker, I could be an employment agency. Uh, um, I'm a chameleon. I have to be. So let's let's walk through just the basics. Someone is arrested. Normally, what happens is ninety um, percent of the time, ninety five percent of the time, someone gets uh, picked up for uh, an alleged crime. Um, they get put through the system. The system could take anywhere from eight hours to 24 hours for you to finally see a judge. You go in front of a judge, uh, you have a criminal defense attorney, either one pointed by the state or a private attorney. Uh, the DA will make their arguments and, and lay out what the charges are, and, um, and then the judge will set bail. The bail could be ranged from anywhere from $500 to $6 million, depending on who we're dealing with. Um, um, and how is that number determined? Um, no, you'd have to ask a judge that question, but you know, judges determine it by you know risk of flight, 
um, by you know strengths to the community, um, charges on a defendant, prior history, and uh, they make their decision. Judges know exactly what they're doing. They do it, and then uh, I step in. So, so there's that moment. Is it arraignment? Is that what it's called? It's an arraignment. Yes. Where the judge says, "Okay." You can leave this courtroom on your own if I get 500000 or if the no, court— It doesn't work like that. What happens is the judge basically doesn't say a word. He sets the bond or a bail amount, and then he, you know, he says, okay, next case. And then it's up to the family or friends to post that bail, you know, whether it be cash bail or a bondable bail, to get the defendant out. The judge will just set the next court date where the defendant has to appear. He's either coming through the system or he's coming out through, uh, you know, on, uh, on his own if he made bail. So, so in the courtroom, is there? Does it all have to happen right there that day? It sets bail right there in the courtroom, but no, it doesn't happen there. After that, you know, a lot of people don't know what the bail is going to be, and they start scrambling. And you know, people come to me at their most vulnerable times of their lives. Their world is shaken up, and that's where I step in and help them. Okay, so so someone has been arraigned. They've been told you, um, your bail is set at fifty thousand or some number that they can't. They don't have on them. They don't have access to. Um, how do they find you? I, I, I know when I lived in Brooklyn, across from the old uh, Brooklyn House of Detentions, there's like a ton of bail bondsman signs. And right. um, I mean, listen, you know, I've been in this business for a little over 17 years. Um, people don't know what to do. So when they find the bondsman and how they find me is through private attorneys that I've been doing business with for 17 years, correction officers that uh, know who I am, and also word of mouth on the street. I mean, you can't go into Rikers Island. Everybody knows who Ira Jellison is in Rikers Island. Everybody knows who Ira Jellison is in the tombs. Everybody knows who Ira Jellison is in Brooklyn House of Detention. Um, I mean, this has been 17 years of bailing out the likes of Little Wayne and uh, uh, Ja Rule and Plaxico Burris and Lawrence Taylor and Robert Durst and Dominic Strauss-Kahn, and we can go down the line with celebrities. I'm working on an app called jammedup.com. Um, it's a uh, one-stop shopping in the legal world for people that get jammed up because we live in New York, so people always know somebody to know somebody, but there's people in the other 49 states that don't know people. They need a, a, a civil lawyer, a criminal lawyer. They need a bail bondsman. You could find it on Jammed Up, and that's why it's special because their world gets turned upside down. People don't know what to do. They can't think straight. What, you're, what I'm picturing is, I mean, I'm terrified. There's this judge who just said some number that's bigger than all the money I've ever seen in the world. And you're just describing, I literally turn to whoever's next to me. If it's a a corrections officer, if it's my lawyer. What's going to happen is you're in the system for quite a while. So obviously it'll be your wife, it'll be a friend of yours. They'll know from the defense attorney. The defense attorney is going to lay out for them. Hey, listen, you know, Adam's going to be arraigned. The charges are X. Uh, They're going to ask for X amount in bail. Um, You know, there's a bondsman that I use. He's very good. He's great. Everybody loves him. I could have him down here, you know, at arraignments ready to go. Or this is where you need to go tomorrow morning. Adam's going to feel uncomfortable for about 24 hours. Call him up. He'll tell you what you need to get him out of jail. And that's how it works. Um, you got to know uh, the jacket, which the jacket is, the charges on the defendant, his NICET number, New York State uh, identification number, what judge set the bail, where I have to go, what the actual bail conditions are, and then I got to figure out what I'm going to do, you know, what I'm taking. You know, is this a good risk for me? And then we put everything together and then we start our day. And does this all happen within hours of the arraignment or can it no, be weeks later? Be weeks. I've worked on this cases in this office I'm still working on. I'm working on Bobby Schmurter right now, which is the... Uh, rapper from Brooklyn. I've been working on Bobby's case since December 16th to try to get him out the door. So he's still in... He's still incarcerated. Uh, I believe he's still at the tombs right now. Wow. 
Just because getting the paperwork right? Getting no, the- just, you know, putting the bail package together, satisfying the government with, uh, you know, what they're looking for, you know, and satisfying my insurance company to make them feel comfortable in a two million, Bobby's bail is $2 million. So we're working on that. All right. So let's walk through how you evaluate when you get a call. So if my bail is set at $50,000, are you giving the court $50,000? I give them a bond that is uh, uh, the same thing as cash at $50,000. Yeah. So I am on the hook to the court for the $50,000. And I become there, you know, I become the obligor to the court. And then I go after or take in the third party, which happens to be either family or friends or whatever it is, as the third party, which I go after. So if if I have $50,000 in bail and I flee, you lose fifty. I owe 50000 to the court. Right. And they cash in my bond and they send me a letter and say, Mr. Juddelson, you owe us $50,000. You have 90 days to pay it. How do you want to do it? How often does that happen? It happens a lot in the industry. Um and, you know, uh, the national rate of bail jumping is 6%. Every 100 people, 6 people jump. Um, and my rate is is under 2%. But, you know, there are headaches in my industry. Um, there are people that don't, you know, want to do the crime and, and they can't do the time. Um, you know, I, I, I built my relationships with my clients on trust and respect to know that you're there for me. I'll be there for you. You do the right thing. I'll always be do the right thing for me. But if you fuck with me, I'm going to fuck with you, but good, you know? How do you fuck with someone? Like, what would that mean? Well, you know, listen, I have uh, licensed PIs that uh, work for me. I have bounty hunters that work for me. I have a team of legal people that work for me. And, um, you know, I will track you down uh, as, uh, wherever you go. And then if not, the people that sign for you, I will go after them legally. I will make their lives miserable, and I will do whatever I can to make their lives miserable. And that'll typically be someone's mom, someone's wife. Whoever it might be signing for the bail. It can be moms, cousins, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, whoever it might be, friends. You want to sign for the bail, and you're going to see two bounty hunters you know, show up at your job. And no one's going to like it if you're a teacher or you're working for the city or, or what you're doing when there's bounty hunters following you, trailing you, watching you, bothering you. Um, there's going to be letters legally sent to you basically saying, you oh, we're going to garnish your wages. We're going to come after you. And, you know, we're going to make you our bounty hunters. So you're going to tell us where that person is so we can bring them back into custody and give them back to the Department of Corrections and the court to say, hey, we're going after, we're doing our job and trying to bring them back to court. Now, to be clear, you're not the guy, you're not a um, bounty hunter yourself. Well, as a bondsman, you're considered a bounty hunter. Um, we have the authority to revocate bonds at any time and go after people. And what does that mean? You can literally grab them off the street and take them? If if they violate their bail conditions or if there's a warrant for their arrest, yes. You have police powers, basically. Well, uh, we have power. That's the best way to say it. Gotcha. You a contract with us, yes. So I, I'd like to know the range. When someone calls you and you're evaluating the risk, kind of walk me through the range. Like, I know you did Dominique Strauss-Kahn. Now, yes. this is a guy I would think is a very good risk. We know his wife well, is... It, it, Dom, Dominique Strauss-Kahn, in, in my eyes, was a good risk. In the court's eyes, wasn't right away. Um, his bail was $6 million. Um, a lot of people were chirping in my ear that there was no extradition from France. Um, my opinion, um, I felt that uh, Dominique 
was not a flight risk, um, was going to stand and fight his charges. Um, how I evaluate a bail is a lot different than a lot of other people evaluate a bail. And in a case like that, the celebrities that I've dealt with, I've always feel comfortable with celebrities. There's only been one celebrity that's ever had a problem with me. And uh, I believe that was just a miscommunication. Was that Lindsay Lohan? No, no. Lindsay, actually, with me, was only a situation of an ankle bracelet. I dealt with her attorney uh, on that case where he asked me to step in why she was in trouble to see if I could put her on house arrest and an ankle bracelet and monitor her, which we submitted to the court in California, but they didn't go for it. But uh, my my situations with, with, with Earl Simmons, a.k.a. DMX, and uh, DMX was out on uh, bond with me up in Westchester, and uh, he was on tour doing something and didn't realize he had a court date. And then getting a hold of Earl was a little bit of a situation because he had some issues, but we worked it out later on. So, um, walk, I mean, I'm assuming that what, we're surrounded, and we'll get to this, with pictures of really famous rich people, but I'm assuming, because the court system works this way, that the vast majority of people you deal with are fairly low-level sure. drug offenders, that kind well, of... I mean, these are people that, you know, grew up differently than, than uh, a lot of people that uh, are out there. You know, they grew up inner city, and, uh, they, you know, they basically are not of means... So if they are in trouble and they do get in trouble, um, I try to make sure that I could determine what I think is a good bail uh, risk and, and not a good bail risk. And, uh, you know, I've written bails where a mother has walked in and, and she didn't have, know any English. She had a 14-year-old daughter translate for her. She was a factory worker. Um, her older son was, you know, involved with a group of kids, allegedly might have been involved in a gang. And she was telling me he's a good boy and that she doesn't have a lot of money and she doesn't have a lot of people to sign and that he, he's been a United States citizen. I felt comfortable to write that bail with no collateral. And it was a very high bail. And then there's been situations where I've taken alleged people that have walked in my office and I could just read them and I just think they're lying to me. I think they're looking to get out and do the dip and look to run. And I've walked away and they've had tremendous amount of collateral. How many people do you have a day, like new clients or? I, take, I get about 25 phone calls a day. I, I sift through what I uh, are wean out bells that I feel uncomfortable with writing or don't feel comfortable even entertaining. We could get one bell a day. We could do seven bells a day. We could do no bells in one day. We could do 15 in one day, which we did last week. But we take a lot of phone calls and we work on a lot of bells. I have three offices. We have Brooklyn. We have Queens. We have Manhattan. And how many bail bondsmen are you? I, I have uh, two people that I license to work for me. Um, and then I have some other people in my offices that are administrators that uh, entertain the bails. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm the one that makes all decisions on any of the bails. So today you were... You were in Westchester, you were in the Bronx, you were yes. in Manhattan, you were in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah, I'll be in Brooklyn a little later on uh, today. I got a bail to do later on in the afternoon. I'm working on a Manhattan case as we speak. Um, and then um, I, I have a guy doing a bail for me in Queens. And is that every day you're running every around? Day, every day. I'm a 24-hour business, even though you know, you're not open 24 hours. Um, you're glued to your phone. I have a flip phone, as you can see. Yeah, that's the oldest. I mean, this it's so fun. This is coming back. I'm telling you right now. Rihanna's got it. Jay-Z's got it. Everybody, all the bigs are going back to the flip phone. Um, I had one like that like yeah, 15 yeah, years you know, ago. Schwarzenegger has one. So we're, we're going back to that because my opinion is people lose thought 
of the idea of these iPhones and they play on their phones all day long and they send emails and things can be misconstrued in an email. You could see an email and you could think about it one way and somebody else could read it another way. If someone gets on the phone with me, I could hear their tone, see what they're feeling. This is the least digital office I think I've been in in a long time. It's all paper. You don't, have a, you don't have a laptop. No, you don't. I write everything down on a pad that I need to speak to. I have a flip phone. I have glasses that I paid at CVS for. So, and you know, working on cases. Uh, uh, or all in the bins. There's an actual bail card. How does that? Yeah. This is, when was our check-in stuff? This is how we do our check-in system. So this is just a piece of paper. Name. It's basically, yeah, New York State license. His name is picture. You know, when, when we did his bail, his signature, uh, his next day in court, what part it goes back to. And then there's a whole bunch of check-ins. So is yeah, that, that means he checks in with me periodically, you know, whatever it is. Is that So you have an agreement. I, I want to hear from you once a month? Yeah, yeah, once a week, once a month, depending on the case. And they come in here or they yeah, call? This is paperwork that, you know, we determine, you know, people sign and figure it all fill out, you know, which is confessions of judgment, indemnity agreements, promissory notes, personal guarantees, information of where they work, what they do. We check out their credit history, check out where they work. Gotcha. Now, he does have a computer, so there's one... Yeah, com- Winston's the best, and, and over there is Yvette, and they've been with me for uh, since inception. Let's take a moment to thank our sponsor, MailChimp. More than 7 million businesses around the world use MailChimp to send email newsletters and deliver high fives. The people behind MailChimp admire the projects that spread creative empathy in the world and creative chaos on the web. MailChimp also distributes hats for cats and small dogs. More at MailChimp.com. MailChimp. Send better email. I'm an economics reporter. I want to understand the economics a little better. So what is your pool of capital from which you can draw bonds? Like, how how does that work? I could write a bond up to any number. And what's the constraint on that? Is it your insurance policy? My insurance company and me are partners, mm-hmm. and they feel comfortable that if I write a bell that, uh, you know, we've, we're, we're in it together. So you, you basically, there, there's no capital constraint. There's on- no capital constraint. And, and you do actually work like a bank, I'm assuming. I mean, you personally don't put $6 million of your own money no, up. The insurance company is licensed in the state of New York, and I'm an agent for that company, and uh, we have an agreement with the state, and we're licensed to write bonds in the state of New York. And so the way you make money is the difference between the interest no, you... I get a certain set fee, which is regulated by the state of New York. The range ranges from anywhere from 6% to 10% on the amount of the bond. I see. And that's, de- that's not determined by you. That's not a competitive... That's determined by the state of New York. I see. So, so a $6 million bond, that's real money. I mean, that's... Yeah, it's money. There's money to be made if you, if you, if you do it the right way. You know, I believe in any business that you're involved in. If you really hustle, you can make a living. Um, you know, I don't get into the pockets of any other bondsmen. I don't know what they make. And I just know that I just keep striving every day to, to write the right bonds and do the right thing and, and, and fight for, you know, what I think are good bonds out there. And how much collateral do you typically have? Like, it, what it depends per- on what I want to take on each case. So between nothing and 100%? It could be, yeah. It could be, it could be over 100%. It could be nothing. I mean, that's just based on my determination and what I feel comfortable with. And if it does come to it, like, do you take, if you have the deed to a house, do I you take their house? Yeah, I take the, yeah, I take Have you house. done that? Yeah, I've taken a house, taken a car, taken a fur, you know, I've taken a lot of different things, jewelry. Things have gone bad in the business where people have not made good on, you know, by me. So we do what we have to do, you know, we garnish their wages, 
We try to levy their bank accounts. You know, whatever we could do, we take them to court. Wow. Is, and you have to handle all the... I have a, a legal team that I, you know, I, I retain that does everything. And that's costly. So that's why you would want more than 100%. I mean, yeah. listen, if God forbid someone jumped on a bail on a house and the house was, the bail was $100,000 and the house had 200000 in equity, you know, first of all, you're going to pay X amount of money to a real estate broker to sell that house, X amount of money to your attorney to fight them in court to make sure you can get that. You have the Homestead Act. Um, then you got to, you know, you got to pay a broker to basically get their 5% to, to sell the house. And then more than anything, we're not in the business of real estate. So, you know, you're not going to get 100% on the dollar. You might get 80% on the dollar. You might get 70% on the dollar. We got to turn that over, house over relatively fast. You're not, you don't want to like stage it and spend. Wait. I can't wait for open houses and uh, for people to, you know, see if they like the, the crown molding. I got to flip that house as quick as possible. Got you. Um, but so, so if, if 2% of your people jump, but you're on the hook for the whole bail amount, not just their bond. Right. So that means 2% could represent like 20% of your cost. Yeah, of course. It could, you know, you depend. I mean, you could say, well, Ira, only seven people jumped out of you last year. That's amazing. Yeah, but those seven people could have been huge, large bonds with not a lot of collateral. So it, it depends on the, you know, the individual case and when, who ran them and that decision, who signed for that bail and can you get it back? Right. Seven people could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Exactly. It could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Or it could be seven ten thousand dollar bails of seventy thousand dollars and you you know, you're you you got a little bit of collateral and you could bridge loan it and pay. Um, I like to make sure that uh, you know, I, I take I mean, I take in the right bail. But again, there's no crystal balls because people things change. You know, you know, why they're out on bail. You know, people, they walk, I mean, it happens all the time in my industry. Um, people walk in their office, in your office, and they're the most loving, nicest people you could ever meet in your life, and they love you, and you're the greatest, and you're on their Christmas list, and they're making prayers in church on Sunday, and, and in, in, in the temple on, uh, on during Friday night service, and all of a sudden, you know, they decide that they're going to not, that, you know, they're going to run away, and they don't give a shit about me or my family. And then the next thing they know, I'll become the enemy because I'm coming after them. So what happened to that love that happened a year ago when I was there for them? And I take it personally. I take every bail personally. How, what makes you good at it? I mean, I can think of three separate skills that you have to have, and there's probably more, but there's like the interpersonal relationships with your clients right. and with lawyers and with judges and corrections officials. Then there's this financial smarts of just being able to understand the risks and 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 that and then three which to me would be the one i think i couldn't handle is just understanding and dealing with the f maddening bureaucracy of the american judicial system which must be a nightmare and those those seem like three very different skills so there the the industry itself is a very tough industry because the three points you brought out are very good points but the biggest point is is that in what you do it's a gut, gut instinct, um, because, you know, the system itself that we're involved in is a tough system. It, 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 every state is different. Um, New York is a very tough place to write bail. I've been writing it for, for a very long time. It's not easy. And I've had, Why? What makes it not easy? It's just it's not a very bail-friendly state. You know, they're not very friendly in bail. Um, sometimes, you know, I, I could bring a client back um, if he jump on, and I feel I should get full remission. And I don't get full remission. The city will say, you know, well, you were negligent on not sending him to court. Let's work out a deal. I don't want to work out a deal. Do you want the body or do you want, you know, money from me? 
And we've argued about that. Oh, wait, where they'll say, well, we're not giving you 50 grand, we'll give you 35. Right. And I, I feel uncomfortable with that because if I'm, if I'm bringing this guy back and I'm showing that I'm doing my due diligence to bring him back, you know, granted, if I don't, I don't bring him back right away, I understand. But if I'm bringing him back within 90, 120 days, you know, 150 days, and I'm working with bounty hunters and I'm paying them out of my own pocket and I'm tracking them through whatever I track them through and I track them through U.S. Marshal Service too, you know, give me, you know, show me a little respect because we were bringing the body back. And then, you know, the city sometimes doesn't charge them bail jumping. You know, they'll add it concurrently into the into the into uh, their charges of their old case. And I, I don't think that's fair. So do you drive around? You must drive. I drive every borough, borough, borough. But that's not fun in New York either. <laughs> no, it's not. I pay a lot of money in parking. Um, I pay a lot of money in Easy Pass. But sometimes I get a little solace in the car. Uh, I listen to my radio stations. You know, I listen to Lisa Evers on Hot 97. And uh, I would think you would want... I, I'm in my 40s. I'm younger than you. And your job sounds exhausting. I'm exhausted. I, I'm a married man. I have three children. I'm very involved with my kids' lives. I coached football, Papa won football. I coached my son in baseball. Um, I don't miss any of my kids' sporting events. I have a beautiful wife that basically understands being a bondsman's wife. That's not easy. I mean, at any time on a Saturday night out with family, I could get calls and I have to take them because I'm not going to leave, my number one, the client in the street, and number two, my attorney in the street. But um, I'm married to my phone. I have, a, I have a great marriage to my wife, but I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm burnt out. I get burnt out a lot. And, you know, on top of the fact that, you know, like I said, I'm doing my app and I'm doing my website and, you know, I'm, I'm involved with, you know, uh, coaching and, and I'm up till three, sometimes two, three in the morning. Like I said, I worked on that bell the other night till three in the morning and back up at 730, put my kids on the bus. I'm, I'm exhausted and I'm burnt out. So you're trying to find a way to use your expertise that can bring an in income, but without killing yourself. Well, uh, eventually I have, listen, I have a great staff and, you know, they're, they're very good at what they do. And I have three offices and we've been around a long time. So it almost becomes like the foundation's already in place that we know what we're doing or people know what we're doing. It's just that I, I control and I okay any bail over a certain number. So when that number comes in and it's high, you know, and, and then they got to work on it. Everybody only wants to deal with me. Private attorneys only want to deal with me. Family members only want to deal with me. So it's constantly ira, 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 ira. So even though I'm delegating authority and being a good leader is, is delegating authority, at the end of the day, they still want you to be involved. They want you to be hands-on. And if I'm doing the math right, you'd take about a quarter of the call, of the bails that are requested? Well, again, you get in a certain amount of phone calls. Uh, we wean out the, the ones that we feel right away uncomfortable with, and then we start to narrow it down. And my office weans out and, and then calls me and says, hey, Ira got a $10,000 bail, girl in Brooklyn. Uh, she's 22 years old. She got caught for DWI. It's her second time. Um, her mother and her cousin are going to sign. They both work for the city. It's a good bill. I like it. And I say, good, let's go. You got it. It's okay. Write it. And we go like that. Gotcha. But it, it's, you reject more than you take. It's I like, reject a lot more than I take. Yeah. A lot more. A good bondsman wants to reject more than they take. Um, can, we, can you just show me some of this sure. stuff? So, um, so we should say we're, we're in your office. It's not the most luxurious office. It's not uh, a good office at all. No. Unless you want to pay my rent. <laughs> um, um, but you have on the wall um, just lots a lot of, of press cases that I've done. Over the last few years. So these are mostly like New York Post, Daily News. Daily News, New York Post, New York Times. Um, 
uh, you know, different different uh, newspapers. You know, uh, this is Ja Rule. I did Ja Rule. Um, and then he wore a Got Bail t-shirt and the BET Awards, and he called me and sent it to me. Uh, this is a New York Times article on me that came out in 2010. You know, and some of the celebrities such as Cat Williams and DMX and Kristen Davis and the, uh, the late ODB. Um, this was an alleged pension scam in Manhattan. This was Cloud Star Chaser, who was, uh, I wrote his bond that was allegedly, well, actually, I wouldn't say allegedly, he was actually stalking Ivanka Trump. Um, this is Robert Durst. I did Mr. Durst. Uh, wow, what was he like? Uh, nice guy, you know. He was. Are you watching the show about him? I, I've watched the HBO show. You know, I mean, I don't really know what happened out there. I just know he's always done right by me. Um, this was a uh, a school teacher that slept with her student on a three million dollar bail. Um, we can go, this is Lawrence Taylor here to the right up up there. There's Plaxico Burris. Um, that one of my favorite cases of all time is David Lemus, the, um, the defendant that was, uh, uh, his case was overturned. Um, they charged him with uh, killing somebody in the Palladium in, uh, in the early 90s, and he didn't do it, and the case was overturned. I wrote his bail on appeal, and me and David became very close. I actually helped him find uh, uh, some employment while he was out on bail. And um, we built a relationship, and I'm, I'm really happy that uh, that worked out. There's Anna Christina, uh, the Madams case. Uh, there's the Lindsay Lohan's case where they mentioned me about doing the bracelet. And um, a boxer, uh, uh, Edgar Santana, I did his bail. And then there's Dominic Strauss-Kahn. Dominic Strauss-Kahn over here. Um, I had a great relationship with his wife. Um, one now, of why wouldn't she just write a check for six? She didn't six have it. She didn't have it. You can't just write a check either. It doesn't work that way. She had to wire me money and uh, put up some... Um, some she's about, isn't she worth hundreds of millions? Yeah, but, you know, people don't want to stay in jail. So, you know, they could be worth hundreds of millions, but liquidating that's not as easy as you think. And, you know, you, and, and then you pay tax on it when you liquidate it, and it's, it's cost-effective just go through a bondsman. Um, uh, I was on Fox 5 News. I did a special there. Um, and then I like you have... The Godfather and Scarface. Yeah, yeah, two guys I happen to respect from the movie industry. You know, Al Pacino and uh, Al Pacino, and uh, and then above. But both those are two movies of, of people that, uh, at their point, used their power. Sometimes abused it. So I try to make sure that uh, I don't abuse my power. What have I not asked about that people misunderstand about your industry that you want to get out there? I mean, the the only thing I I want people to understand the people that are listening to your podcast is that um, I am an ally, and I'll always be there for somebody that is in trouble, and I'm not gonna judge them. And um, you know, when they, when they need to find somebody in the uh, bail business, that they're, they're relying on me and for me to do my job and do it the right way, and I will. I will always be there for them. As long as they don't screw me and fuck with me, I will be there for them. Thanks for listening to Working. On our next episode, I'll talk to Tony Manbury, he works at the United Nations, and he's the guy who gets called when the whole world is in a lot of trouble. He'll tell us all about it. We want to hear your thoughts about this podcast, and we'd also love suggestions of other people we should talk to. You can email us at working at slate.com. The show is produced by Joel Meyer. Our executive producer is Andy Bowers. Working is part of the Panoply Network. Check out all our great podcasts at iTunes.com slash Panoply. See you next time. I'm Adam Davidson. Hi, this is James Ledbetter, editor of Inc. Magazine and Inc.com. 
I hope you'll listen to Inc. Uncensored, our podcast about business, startups, entrepreneurship, technology, and cool companies. This week, we talked about, John? A venture-backed bus service in San Francisco and spicy fried chicken. Maria Aspen? The ice cream otherwise known as Cheeky Monkey, a ripoff or homage to Ben & Jerry's. And Will Yakowitz? Drones that may or may not kill you, and an international bromance sparked by a stolen iPhone. That's Ink Uncensored in a nutshell. I'd listen to it. Check out the show at iTunes.com slash Panoply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.